Welcome to Mysteries to Die For and this toe tag. I am T.G. Wolf, and I'm here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is normally a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of murder, mystery, and mayhem. Today is a bonus episode that we call a toe tag. It's the first chapter from a fresh release in a mystery, crime, and thriller genre. Today's featured release is The Bone Records by Rich Zaradnik. All right, we're going to jump in with chapter one. It is Friday, August 29th, 2016. So teleport your minds back. Remember, Friday, August 19th, 2016. Greg's reunion with his father was brief, eight minutes to be exact, and ended when a man with a nickel-plated revolver shot Dad twice. Three hours before the violence began, Griggs struggled through the crowd on Coney Island platform. He was the last to reach the stairway to the station's exit, again. Even the old folks were gone. His wrecked knee held him back. Outside the station, Dino's wonder wheel turned slowly, towering over the amusement park that took its name from the ancient 15-story ride. The wheel's spokes glowed a hot neon white. Hazy corona surrounded all the lights. Tick, tick, tick. Greg had started wearing his father's Timex soon after he'd gone missing. He put the watch up to his ear, as he'd done too many times before. It wasn't loud enough to be heard. The clockwork noise was in his head, maybe a reminder to keep looking. Maybe a reminder that six months was already too long in a missing person's case. His father's watch read, 8 18 p.m. He limped away from Coney Island's amusement parks towards his house on West 28th off Mermaid Avenue. As he did, the street darkened. He checked behind him more than once. The neighborhood became far less amusing as night came on, and the farther you went from the fun parks. Mugging wasn't the thrill ride Grig needed. He didn't want any more trouble. He had a lifetime supply. His long days pinballed him between two jobs and the search for his father. Despite Griggs' best efforts, the minutes and hours and days kept spinning off the Timex, found by the police in a Howard Beach motel room, the last place his father was seen before he vanished into the thin March air. Their empty house waited to reflect Griggs' loneliness back at him. His mother had died when he was 18 months old. His boss at the city's claims adjustment office rarely talked to him outside of giving orders. All of his connections, he couldn't really call them friends, in the neighborhood he owed to his father. Dad, like the rest of them, had immigrated from Russia. Unlike the rest of them, he married a woman from Jamaica, a union that guaranteed Grig would always be on the outside in Little Odessa. The rubber soles of his cheap dress shoes slapped the wet pavement. A thunderstorm had blown through while he was on the subway, leaving behind the sticky, thick humidity. His messenger bag tugged on his shoulder. He went over the lead he'd uncovered tonight. Going door to door in the Midwood apartment building filled with Russians, he talked briefly to a tenant named Freddy Popov, who recognized Grig's father when he showed a photo. Popov said a man, maybe a cop, had been canvassing the building with a picture of Grig's dad four weeks earlier. Inside the man's apartment and shielded by Popov, someone said something in Russian. 
Popov got hinky. Then he said he didn't know anything more, and he slammed the door. Ulgrich banged on it until the woman across the hall threatened to call the cops. He left only the knowledge that someone else, maybe a cop, was also searching for Dad. Still, that bit of info was his biggest lead to date. Greg limped up to the small two-story brick house, kitchen, living room, two bedrooms over a garage, a duplicate of the other attached homes on the street. He unlocked the steel gate, then the front door, and stepped inside. The thunk of the door closing echoed through the house. Two days ago, Greg had moved everything out except for the sleeping bag in his bedroom of 27 years and a blue duffel readying the old house for its new owners he turned the deadbolt. He shouldn't be staying here tonight. He'd spent all of his free time on the search for dad, right up until the closing on the sale of the house. Even at the end, he hoped for a breakthrough that would save him from selling. He signed the papers yesterday, writing a check for $1,650, most of his savings, because the house was underwater on a second mortgage his father had taken out. Grig knew the out-of-state buyers wouldn't be moving in for three weeks, so he kept a copy of the key. Trespassing in my own house, inviting trouble when I already have too much. The plan was to use the next three weeks to find an apartment share, but the lead from Popoff tugged at his thoughts. Would it pull so hard that he spend his free time searching for dad and end up homeless? He ducked his own question and instead pictured going back to demand Popoff tell him more. He shook his head. He could barely keep his mind on housing problems for the space of a single thought. He took a beer out of the refrigerator, went up to his room, and rolled his sleeping bag into a fat pillow to lean against. Greg popped open the 90 years young double IPA, 9% alcohol, the strong stuff he dubbed floor softener. He downed two 16-ounce cans, and the ink faded from the muscles in his damaged leg. He took out his phone. He'd run through his data allowance last week, three days until the new billing cycle. At least he had his music. He played the Decemberist, their song about revenge and ships at sea set to a jangy indie rock. He followed it with the Killers, then Vampire Weekend. Tick, 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 tick. His father's watch read 11.20 p.m. He opened his notebook and wrote down Day 191, along with what he'd learned. It was longer than any previous entry, and yet not long at all. So many days. The silence in the house chilled him, sending goosebumps and waves over his arms and thighs. He got up and turned down the air conditioner. It wouldn't help. He missed his father's voice, the way it had warmed their home. They could talk about everything and anything, a lot of anything, but such interesting anything. Dad was always there with his questions, his curiosity, and his deep interest in whatever Grig was up to. There were days his father was more intrigued by Grig's job than Grig was. Even that helped. A fourth beer. He floated on the wood floor of his empty bedroom. He slept. A thump. The floor hardened underneath him. Another thump. Half buzzed, halfway to a headache, Grig opened his eyes. He heard it again not a dream. On the roof, he followed the steps above him to his father's empty bedroom. He was about to switch on his phone's flashlight when legs, silhouetted by the glow from the street across the way, dangled over the room's tiny balcony. 
they descended slowly, inching, hesitating, as if the intruder were no expert at the sort of move. The toe stretched a touch, and finally, the person dropped, stumbled, and landed on their knees. Craig didn't know whether to laugh or arm himself. If this was a robbery, then the joke was on the thief who picked a house with nothing in it. Grig decided discretion was the better part of whatever. He returned to his bedroom and pulled the stun gun from his messenger bag. Ever since he'd been attacked when he was in the police academy, suffering the knee injury that forced him to drop out, he hadn't felt safe unless he carried the weapon. He placed the messenger bag next to his duffel in the hallway in case he needed a fast out. In the kitchen, he grabbed his second six-pack as a backup weapon. Of course, he could escape by the front and leave the intruder for the police to deal with. But if he did, then the buyers would be notified, and he'd lose three weeks of temporary housing he'd been counting on. He crept through the doorway into the main bedroom. The figure, whose face remained in deep shadow because of the streetlight glow from behind, rattled the handle to the single balcony door. He used his elbow to smash the square pane nearest the knob, reached in and turned the simple metal lock. As he pushed the door open, Grig stepped forward, hit his phone's light, and thrust forward with the stun gun. Get the fuck out of my house! The figure froze. I'm not going to hurt you, Grig. Grig moved closer. Dad? Dad! Full beard and longer hair, but it was him. Grig didn't know whether to hug his father or scream at him. I came to say goodbye, Dad said. Goodbye, Greg stammered. I'm leaving. For Russia, Dad said. I don't know when I'll be able to return. It's the only way. I don't understand, Grig said. Any of it. You said you'd never go back. It's the only way to fix things, his dad said. Things? What things? Popoff's suggestion about the cops came to his mind. Are the police after you? A click came from the front door, and Grig spun. Seeing his father and not an intruder had put the brakes on his fear. Now his heart raced. He squeezed the handle of the sun gun with a sweaty hand. Keep it together, he thought. The knob turned. The front door flew open. All right, that is the first chapter of The Bone Records. It was released in October 2020 from 1,000 Words a Day Press and is available from Amazon and other book retailers. So let's learn a little bit about Rich Zaradnik. So Rich is the author of the thriller The Bone Records and four critically acclaimed mysteries, including Lights Out Summer, which was the winner of a Seamus Award. That's really awesome. He was a journalist for 27 years and now lives in Pelham, New York, where he is a mentor to a staff of the Pelham Examiner, an award-winning community newspaper run, edited, reported, and written by people under the age of 18, which is a really amazing uh, accomplishment for those young people, and uh, kudos to Rich. Now for my review. The Bone Records is a thriller. Greg Orlov, the son of Russian father and Jamaican mother, who is deceased, was an outsider in his own neighborhood. His father disappeared six months ago, and the NYPD wasn't interested in looking for him, so Greg was alone searching while his, he juggled two jobs. Just as suddenly, his father returns, with the gunman hot on his heels. His father's last stand turns into a mission for Greg to find out what really happened. With one 
twisted truth and secrets that are so deep, dying was the only way out. Bottom line is the bone record is for you if you like lightning fast pacing, engaging underdogs, and a setting in one of America's hidden cultures. So the strength of the story, well it's rooted in New York City's Russian community, and the story is a creative weave of fiction and facts in the foreground of the 2016 presidential election. That being said, this is not a political thriller. At its essence, The Bone Records is a thriller about a son searching for the truth about his father's murder. The plot is strong, with Grig taking actions that interfere with the antagonist's goals and force them to react to him, propelling the story forward. You know, so often we end up with stories where it's coincidence or luck or something else that propels the story forward. And in this story, it really is what Grig does or the people that he aligns himself with and what they're capable of doing. It is a action by the protagonist that, that forces the antagonist to react and that's what keeps it going. There's ample lying, backstabbing, and spying to keep the reader guessing right along with Greg about who can be trusted. Where the story fell short, this is a really strong thriller. Of course, there's always little things I could pick at, but nothing worth mentioning. Um, when I got to the end of the Bone Records, I sat for several moments. In fact, it's, it's been on my mind since I finished it. You know, and I unpick and unweave the storylines, and they're all holding up. The actions stay consistent with the motivation of the decision makers from start to finish. I know that sounds really sort of antiseptic, but I don't want to give away this storyline because really this is one you should read for yourself. So that's my, I guess, very uh, fancy wind way of saying that this is not a story where you get halfway through and you're like, wait, why did he do that all of a sudden? The characters, good, bad, and otherwise, they're true to themselves and it's what really makes this one stand up. It would have been very interesting uh, if Greg had had more time with his father. Uh, I wonder what he would have learned and how it would have changed his actions. I, I do wonder what his dad really knew and what he suspected because so much, everything takes place here in New York City and so I wondered what going back to Russia, what he thought that would have accomplished. That isn't any sort of uh, giving away anything the, the whole story is said here. Um, his dad's also a really good dad, so based on what his father knew, I wonder why he did what he did, um, just for me knowing what his son is about to go through. Um, you know, why did he come back? So with that, yes, buy the Bone Records, read it, write a review, Tell everybody how awesome Rich Zradnik's book is. Read all of his books. I think uh, he's going to be on the top of my thriller reading list. Um, I really enjoyed this one. So join us next week as we go back to our regular Mysteries to Die For episode. Thank you very much for joining us. Have a great week.